0: You're listening to A Mamma Mia podcast From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily In the past 10 years, the number of women choosing to go it alone and have a baby solo has increased
1: I was content and okay with the fact that I hadn't met a husband or partner But I was definitely not happy that I didn't get a crack at motherhood
0: Today, we look at social infertility, what women are doing to rectify it and the benefits and the barriers of making babies on your own. Shelley is one of a growing number of women who are choosing to have children without a partner.
1: At about 36, 37, I thought I better freeze my eggs. So I went in and started researching how to freeze my eggs and then there was only one company predominantly that was going to do that for a single person. I did the first round of IVF and froze my eggs and still hoped to meet somebody and then still hadn't met anyone and I thought, right, I'm a very organised person. I'd better start planning this and working out where do we go from here because IVF doesn't happen overnight. And I started investigating donors.
0: In movies, we see women looking for a donor, going to a clinic and picking one out of a book of profiles. And for some, that is the case. But for Shelley, due to how her fertility agency worked, she went down a different path.
1: So I started with some friends who, you know, I sort of had a chat to and sort of said, look, this is what I'm thinking. How do you feel about this? And what do you think? And a couple of them were very honoured and thankful and a bit gobsmacked and, oh, OK, yes, but no, I don't think that's for me. And I said, no trouble. So then I started looking at a couple of websites and it was a funny process because my agency that I was using at the time, they insisted on a known donor, part and parcel of what their belief was and tying into children should have rights to know who their family and parenting sort of things are. I then went on a journey in Google. I found some information through the LGBTI community. So, I found some information on their websites that spoke about legalities and what people had done. So, I did a bit of research in how people did sort of co parenting and different things and where they found their donors from. And in the end, I found one website that was basically like a dating website. In the end, my son's father and I connected and we spoke and I spoke about the process that the IVF company requires and he was cool for that. He had originally decided to donate because he'd seen a documentary on 60 Minutes or something that spoke about infertile families and the husband being infertile and he thought, I can do that for a family. He's single and didn't have any children and he was happy to do his part.
0: Shelley says despite her choice being one that wasn't considered done by many seven years ago, her decision was well welcomed by those around her.
1: I didn't have anyone not support me, or well, I guess they didn't say if they didn't. Mum and Dad were all right. At first, I suppose, they're like, well, how are you going to do this? Then how are you going to pay for the mortgage? And my very blunt response to that was there are single parents every day doing this journey if they can do it. I can do it. I felt quite overwhelmed with the support that I got, even from people who, you know, their religious beliefs and things might have said otherwise.
0: With women now more financially independent and having focused more on career and personal and professional development in their 20s and 30s over starting a family, many more are looking to have children on a timeline that suits them. And that timeline doesn't necessarily match up with a man's. There aren't any official stats that track just how many women have made the solo leap here in Australia, but in Victoria, they have seen an increase in the number of women using donor sperm and can see that more than 50% of those women are single. In the UK, NHS figures show single women underwent 351 IVF treatment cycles in 2007. By the end of 2019, that number had risen to 1,290. If you add in those who didn't require the full in vitro fertilization, the number of women working to start a family on their own jumped to 2,279. And that doesn't account for those who go through the process privately without the use of a fertility doctor. There is even a woman who's launched a career off of her choice to have a baby on her own. Mel Johnson's website, The Stalk and I, tells us that she's the UK's first and only solo motherhood coach. She refers to herself as a social infertility advisor, a term that's used to describe the increasing number of women who find themselves infertile due to circumstance rather than having a medical issue. Groups have been created here in Australia offering support, including Solo Mums by Choice, which started back in 2004 and which now has more than 3,000 members, who between them parent babies or children without a partner. They include women who've had a baby via a donor or who become a parent through foster care or adoption. For Shelley, the process, aside from the donor, was very similar to anyone undergoing IVF.
1: In my first round that I froze back when I was 37-ish, my doctor at the time rang me and said, oh, look, we've probably only got three. It might be worthwhile. We might pull the pin." At which point I broke down and thought, oh my gosh, it's not working and this is terrible. And in the end, we did increase a dose of something and I got, they sort of called it five and a half eggs that made it. So my donor came around, we had all our you know, meetings and things and he did his donation and then they went into isolation. He had blood tests and stuff. Obviously, they checked for HIV and different things. So towards the end of that four month period, we ran a fresh batch. We probably only got three or four from the fresh batch. So everything was fertilising beautifully. I think they said they got five to fertilise. So then they did the transfer and then we expected the rest of them who were doing quite well to then go into storage. They rang me and they said they didn't make it. And It might have been day seven that they rang me and they didn't make it. And I'm like, ah, crumbs. All my hopes. Are on this one little embryo.
0: But what was different for her was that she had to consider whether to continue her journey due to only having one income to support it.
1: While, you know, it's never about the money, it is about the money at the end of the day. It's because I'm a single person also funding this myself, and I've already spent 15 grand a few years ago, and I'm up for another 13. And six and a half years ago, there was no medical rebates for it. There's no Medicare for it. And if there was, I didn't have a fertility issue. So I didn't actually qualify even if the Medicare rebates and things came in. So the money sort of thing played in the back of my mind in the fact where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do another round of IVF if this doesn't work, which is everybody who does IVF, I'm sure is here. So I went up to mum and dad's and I was sitting with mum and dad and we're sitting there and they rang and they said, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I felt like once he came along, I think for 12 months I just lived in a euphoric bubble.
0: Melbourne IVF fertility doctor Manuela Toledo says she thinks the number of Australian women heading down the path of solo parenting today has a lot to do with what we've been facing this year. We've seen an increase
2: in women coming in to be solo parents over the last few years, but especially in the last 12 to 24 months. And I think the pandemic's probably got something to do with that, where we're all kind of evaluating what's important to us.
0: Are more women freezing their eggs now? Are we seeing an increase in people who are preparing for later on down the track and who might be preparing to do it solo? I think egg
2: freezing has just taken off over the last five to ten years, but especially in the last two to three years. And it's a really good intermediate step. It's kind of an option that buys you a little bit of time. It gives you some further options, especially if you can't decide whether to use donor sperm right now. The big thing I want to say is that even though we are happily freezing eggs and the freezing success rate is really good at the moment, we can never guarantee a pregnancy from those eggs that are frozen. So we do emphasize that when women freeze their eggs. And if you're going to freeze your eggs, please do it in your 30s. Your 40s are not ideal. It's not that we won't freeze eggs in your 40s, but the success rates are just so much better when you freeze in your 20s and 30s.
0: How much can we expect to pay for IVF?
2: Well, it really depends. It depends a bit on what state you're in and it depends on why you're freezing eggs. But basically, if you're freezing eggs to buy yourself a bit of time to give yourself some future options in terms of fertility, then at the moment, Medicare is not supporting that. So you would be paying out of pocket. And depending on how much medication you need and what your other healthcare needs are, you might be paying anywhere between five and $10,000 for an egg freeze cycle.
0: Professor Fiona Kelly from La Trobe University has done research into the laws governing a ass- reproduction and says while it is difficult to know exactly how many women are single mums by choice, they can see signs everywhere that it's an increasing trend.
3: There is no clear way of tracking births to single women who are choosing to become single mothers. So while we do get annual statistics on how many unmarried women had a baby in Australia, that doesn't really tell us much about the women. The surest signs I think that we are seeing at least a steady increase is data that we're getting out of fertility clinics, so kind of anecdotal comments by fertility doctors who indicate that they're seeing a growing number of single women seeking their services. And then also, at least in Victoria, we do have statistics on the number of single women who use donated sperm at a fertility clinic. And those numbers have increased dramatically in about the last 10 years and are now steadily increasing, not nearly as much as the initial increases, though.
0: What do you think the biggest reason for that increase is?
3: The most obvious one is that women just have a greater degree of economic independence, I think, than ever before. And single mothers by choice tend to fall into a fairly clear demographic of reasonably well-educated, decent income, relatively stable in their lives. So typically in their 30s or early 40s, they actually have the financial ability to go ahead and do this that really didn't exist, I think, in the past. And then the other thing that I hear frequently from the women that I interview for my research is a frustration with finding a man who is willing to settle down. So there seems to be a degree of incongruence, I guess, between what women of that age want and perhaps what a growing number of men of that similar age want. And obviously women have a much smaller window in which to have a baby than men do. And women say they're often in a relationship. It's a serious relationship. They think they're moving towards perhaps marriage and a baby. And the guy just says he's not ready.
0: Legally, do women who are single mothers by choice still face issues? We spoke to somebody who said that their agency at the time said that they must have a known donor because they have a view that a child should know who their father is. There was a very limited amount of fertility clinics that would freeze the eggs of a single woman who didn't have a partner alongside her. Are we still facing those kind of legal challenges now?
3: No, certainly if clinics are doing that now, they shouldn't be. They would be violating anti-discrimination laws. So, no, in terms of access to treatment, there are no distinctions except with regard to the Medicare rebate that's associated with treatment. But when it comes to kind of legal recognition of parentage and particularly when known donors are used, There's still a lot of uncertainty around legal parentage and what status a known donor has with regard to a single woman, whereas that's not the case where the donor donates to a heterosexual or same-sex couple.
0: Has society changed along with this trend? I mean, Ten years ago, a woman opting to be a single mother by choice, I imagine a lot of stigma and judgment would have gone along with that. Have we kind of changed along with it and made it easier for women to do this without the judgment that comes with it? I
3: think to some degree, single motherhood is more accepted than it was in the past. And I think that's come with growing divorce rates, et cetera. It's hard to ignore the fact that there are a lot of single women and single men parenting I think, though, you only have to read you know, your typical article on Facebook that refers to this or in the newspaper to see the vitriol that I think is still thrown at a lot of women. The assumption that they're all on welfare, the kind of stereotypes, I guess, of single motherhood probably haven't changed that much. But I think in day-to-day life, certainly, again, the feedback that I get from the women that I talk to is... You know, when they're at their child's school or daycare or whatever, and they tell their story, they're always surprised by how supportive other people are. So I think that when you meet someone face to face, they tend to you know be fairly supportive, but you're always going to get that criticism and the reliance on stereotypes amongst you know a certain section of the population.
0: For women suffering from social infertility and who are considering becoming a single mother by choice, Shelley says she'd do it all over again in a heartbeat. And she has this advice for anyone
1: looking to start their solo journey to motherhood. I feel completely blessed that it was very easy and simple for me and I am very well aware that that is not everybody's story and journey. I guess my one piece of advice would be be organised, know your stuff, do your research and understand your legalities. I would say save your eggs at 18, 20, 22 get them early, put them aside, because you never know where your journey is going to take you. If you had have said to me at a 20-year-old girl that I'd be single at 38, contemplating a donor, there's no way I would have thought that that would have been my journey, but it was, and I nearly didn't get him. So just do it, just just jump in, boots and all.
0: This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri and guest booking by Mel Zawa. And if you want to escape into the wonderful world of food on your podcast app, then check out the newest addition to the Mamma Mia family, What I Eat When, with fabulous foodie Sylvia Coloka. The first episode is now live featuring the amazing Jessica Rowe who reportedly matches her hats with her meals. Check out What I Eat When, available to download right now.